All right, that transitioned fast. <laughs> All right, good morning. Hey, we're doing something a little different this morning. We've been in a series in Galatians. We'll pick that back up in a couple weeks. But um, I got a call that Kendall was under the weather and needed uh, me to preach. And I was planning on preaching in South Bay at our church there tonight and was going to take them into the history, the prophetic history of All People's Church, and then realized, oh my goodness, this is our 15-year anniversary of our church. And so excited to unpack for you guys this morning the prophetic history of All People's Church. There's so many words that God has given us, so many that we've seen fulfilled, and yet about half that we haven't seen fulfilled yet. So we wanted to take you into what God is doing. So Steph, why don't you kick us off here? Yeah, all right, I'm gonna stand up because I get a little uh, amped at times um, and I don't like to be sitting down. So uh, this past week, um, I was away. I missed last Sunday because I took my oldest child, Hallie. She's 18, about to head to college. And um, we went to a... Um, parent-teen camp experience together. We didn't really know what to expect, but um, it was um, many, at night, it was many kingdom-inspiring messages. During the day, we got time together for an hour, just her and I talking through things, bonding with one another, and then we were part of a bigger team of about 16 that we would stay with the whole week and bunk with. Um, and during the day, we'd, we would have these challenging physical activities uh, that were really to inspire faith and risk. And boy, was I personally challenged. Um, I actually have a picture of one of the high ropes that um, we had to do. Um, that is me right here. That little dot. Um, and uh, these were very challenging activities. I do not like heights at all. Um, but they, we really got to walk out the things that um, God was speaking um, during uh, the nighttime sessions. And, you know, when we were on some of these courses, uh, we would have to be uh, carabined in. I have a picture of what one of the carabiners looked like. And you had this harness, and on your harness there was a hook. And one carabine would, would uh, go to your um, harness, and then the other one you'd have to hook to the wire above you so that if you did fall, you'd be caught, okay? And, you know, when, uh, when we come into the kingdom of God, when we say, Jesus, we want you to be Lord of our lives, and we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are carabined in to the Spirit of God. But we have a choice whether we carabine to the greater purposes, whether we get carabined in to the promises that are ahead for us that take faith and risk in our lives. Psalm 33, 11, it says, the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. His purposes through all generations. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, all who live in it. If you are here, 
You are God's, but it's a choice whether you care being to his greater purposes that have stood firm through generations that were here way before us and are going to be after us. And, you know, I think sometimes it's we kind of decaribbean ourselves because of the pain or just the challenges We get overwhelmed with what's before us in our lives, the responsibilities, and we can kind of decaribbean ourselves from the greater promises and purposes. Um, We're always caribbeaned in with him. He's sealed. We are sealed. You can't remove that caribbean down here. But we have a choice to hook ourselves to the greater plans and purposes And we, you know, strong leadership is rooted in promises. It's rooted in promises, and it's so important that we live on the ramparts of our promises. And so we want to talk about that this morning. We want to unfold a story. And the thing is, is that Robert and I individually hooked ourselves to the greater purposes of God way before we even met each other. But in 2001, we got married, and so we're fast-forwarding to really our all-people's church story and want to take you through that history because this is us, this is our history as a people and our promises as a people. So this is your uh, family book. So good, Steph. And I think you're creating words with like carabined and decarabined and... um, but I, Sorry. I love it. No, you can do that when you're a preacher. Just create things. It'll be in Wikipedia next week. Actually, I don't know. Maybe they someone can look. They should be words. Someone they can, should, someone can just look. But um, we're going to carabine ourselves uh, to this book this morning. This is our family history book right here. And so when you stepped into Christ, you stepped into a much greater family history. Uh, this is the word of God, but then there's also specific words that he speaks to you as an individual and to us as a people. And although so, some of you didn't grow up as Christians, some of you did grow up as Christians. I grew up as a Christian, but I didn't understand that God was still speaking today. And it's so important for us to, to, to lock in, to carabiner ourselves to the actual word of God that he's given us as a people. Matthew 4, 4 says this, Jesus is answering when he's being tempted and he says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father's mouth. You live by the word of God. And did you know that that Greek word for word, there's two Greek words for word. There's one is logos. This is the logos. Typically the logos is the written word of God, but then there's also the rhema word. So Jesus actually, when he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that God speaks, he's saying not just these things that are in this book, but what is the now word he's speaking to you? He said that by every rhema that comes from God. Here's another example of this. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you're a virgin, but you're about to be pregnant and you're gonna give birth to the Messiah. And she goes, what? How can this be? Like, I've never been with a man. I'm just this teenage girl. And at the end of this, in Luke 1.37, I encourage you to do a deep dive study on this. In Luke 1.37, he says this, for no word from God, no rhema from God will ever fail. If you look 
at this word in when it's saying no word from God, it's adunateo. And it, it's basically the translation is no word is without strength to accomplish the purposes of God. No word is without strength. So when God speaks a word, there's actually power in the word. So some of you, you didn't grow up with this understanding. How did God create the world? He spoke it into existence. So here, here's what Isaiah 55 says. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent. So what many of us didn't grow up understanding is that God's still speaking today, and when he speaks, there's power in the word to accomplish his purposes. Are you following me? I, I feel like we just got up here and like uncorked a water hydrant and we're hitting in you and you're like, oh, okay. So, so God spoke to us. Why are we here in this tent today? Uh, in 2005, we were uh, leading a, a large college ministry, hundreds and hundreds of college students. God was doing great things. We weren't looking for an out. There were uh, tons of kids coming to the Lord Many people were being saved. There were actually miracles of healing. that We didn't grow up with this, but all of a sudden miracles are happening. People are going and being sent to different places to plant different churches. And as we sought the Lord, God spoke very clear to my heart, you're called to church planting in San Diego, California in two years from now. Now, that was a big shocker for me. If you wonder why we came to San Diego as Texans, and you've heard me say many times, I didn't know where San Diego was in California. Didn't know if it was in Northern California. I didn't know if it was in, by Bakersfield. Uh, got real excited when I saw where San Diego was, but we didn't, we didn't know. And here's what I need you to know uh, uh, about the Word of God. We, we live by what God speaks. Um, John 5, 8, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Let me ask you this question today. Are you living by the word of God to you? I, I'm gonna tie us in to the big picture for our spiritual family, but the, the lesson that you can take personally today is, man, am I going to God for promises? Right? You, you could feel the anointing when we were singing, all your promises are yes and amen. The the way to live a successful life on earth is to get promises from God and to walk those out. And I just, I want to encourage some of you guys this morning, um, maybe you have never heard a promise from God up to this point. And this is a, this is a window where we're saying, hey, every person that calls this church home we want to believe that God will give you personal promises for your life, for your kids' lives, and, and for the greater picture. And so this is a morning where we're, we're specifically saying, God, open our ears as a people to hear promises. This might be your morning where God wants to deposit. There's faith in this place where God wants to deposit a promise in your heart. And you, you might have felt very small, like, man, I'm just... I'm insignificant, or what's my life all about? We want to tell you, when you stepped into this family, God tied you to a global promise. God tied you to something that's going to be city-impacting, nation-touching, and nations-changing. And so let's just unpack that a little. Um, God spoke to us to plant a church in San Diego. 
And as we sought the Lord, God, what's the name you want to give this church? God spoke very clearly all peoples. And I remember coming down the stairs and going, God's, God's given me a name for this church, Stephanie. It's all people's church. And she went, huh. And uh, I said, can, can we name a Christian church all peoples? Like, that doesn't sound very Christian-y. And here's the thing about when God speaks to you is one of the ways to confirm that is, does this line up with Scripture? Does this line up with Scripture? And so as we studied Scripture, what we started seeing is, oh, wow, all peoples, this is one of the most biblical names for a church. It's all over Scripture. Look at this. God showed us this in Genesis 12. We just finished a series on the life of Abraham, but it says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse, and, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so even intrinsic in our name, we understood that this church wasn't just for San Diego, although we were so excited about impacting San Diego, but it was all peoples on earth were to be blessed. And this was tying us to the original call when God called Abraham to go out on a journey. Well, we were leaving um, a, a thriving ministry and, and we were leading a lot of things. I was the director of church planning for uh, Antioch Community Church, which we just love, and that's, that's the group that sent us out. We were so thankful for, but we needed confirmation. We needed confirmation to make such a bold move, to come leave a, a massive ministry, about 800 college students, and to come to, to a place where we knew no one. Um, and that's another way. Let me just, let me give you four quick points, uh, because what we're not just saying is just, you know, any promise you want, just name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is God gives specific words, and, and here's four ways that you can actually know that a word is from God. Uh, number one, it always is going to agree with the written word of God. So the rhema word is going to agree with the logos word. Uh, number two, it's going to come from a, t- a tested and reliable person. If it's a prophetic word, like every person that walks up to you and says, hey, I've got this word for you, you don't need to believe it. Uh, Believe tested and reliable people. We're actually, and that brings me to the next point, um, is we actually, or that's point four, we actually need to test the spirits. I've gotten some bad prophetic words out there. Um, So you actually, it needs to resonate peacefully with you. Uh, And also there are confirmations. There are confirmations of words. The more dramatic the word, the more confirmation we need. So here was the crazy thing. We had a call to San Diego. I'd never even thought about San Diego. But all of a sudden, we're seeking the Lord for confirmations. Guys, I can't tell you how many people in Waco, Texas, would come up to me with a San Diego t-shirt on. Okay, that, I'd never noticed one before. I'd be sitting on a plane, talking to someone, turn, and I'd look and they'd have a San Diego t-shirt. I remember walking to the gym, and one car was left in front of the gym. The parking lot's way back here. One car is left just sitting in the, in the fire zone, and I'll walk up and I'll look, and on the license plate, it says San Diego, California. Like, what in the world? Here was the craziest confirmation, is we were visiting one of our church plants in Portland, Oregon, and, and we hadn't told anyone that was, this was in our heart, that God had spoken to us. I walk in to this meeting, and this girl comes up to me. She goes, Robert, are you about to plant a church? And I said, why would you say that? She said, you walked in the room, and I saw San Diego written across your forehead. 
I went, what? Well, we'll see, won't we? I, I, walked, I walked away. I walked into a closet, shut it, and I called Steph. I'm like, Steph, you'll never believe this. So God was confirming this call over and over and over again. And um, here, here's our first team. You'll see our, our little team. We were a little younger back there. Um, uh, our kids were very young. I had a little more hair, not much. And um, Jonathan and Suzanne, who started uh, TJ and are at South Bay, no, no kids yet. Kendall and Shelly, look at them. Uh, now they have four kids. Poor Joel, barely made it in the picture. Joel waved to us now. He and Dana have four, four kids, uh, single back then. Anyway, we're, we're so blessed for most of us to still be to, together. But um, God gave us this scripture, and this is the main scripture we've built our, our church on. If you'll look at this, highlight this, I'd encourage you to open this in your Bible apps, Luke 4, 18. Um, Stephanie and I were in, in a car. We were listening to a sermon by a guy named Mike Bickle. Mike Bickle started the International House of Prayer, and their houses of prayer have been birthed around the world. But he was talking about what the this what they believe is the last generation will be, and the the theme for the last generation. And and there was this prophet's mother, and um, and this this mother had given them tons of words. And she said, you know, I've given you tons of words. You've seen them fulfilled uh, throughout your life. But the greatest sign I'll ever give is going to be in my death. And so she goes into a, a coma. They're at her, he, Mike Bickle's telling the story. It's he and his friend Paul. And they're at his mother's bedside as she's dying. She's been in a coma. They said, come, she's going to probably die today. And she sits up out of a coma and just starts prophesying. She's like, this last generation, they'll be bold in preaching the gospel. They'll be bold in healing. She's basically saying this Luke 4.18 passage, and then she lays back down and dies. And the, the doctors come in, and they confirm, and they say, they say her name, and, she's like, and they say, deceased at 4.18 p.m., and they just said, man, they just got the chills, the power of God filled the room. And then he said, you try to plan the exact hour and minute of your death. And so Steph and I are listening to this, and we had started seeing God move in power. We, Luke 4.18 is where Jesus actually defines his ministry. You can just look at it. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and he spread about him. It says he went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up and read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. So he's quoting Isaiah 61. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we were like, man, if we're planning a church, we want it based on Jesus. We want it to be all about Jesus. We want it to look like Jesus. We want our people to be conformed into the image of Jesus. And so we're hearing this message and we're going, wow, this is amazing. And all of a sudden I said, Steph, what is today? We're driving in the car. And she looks at me, she goes, it's April 18, 418, ah! So it was very confirming. And we met with our team, and we did this, uh, this church planning retreat 
with our team, and, and many of you guys have seen this, uh, this, this drawing that God gave us. God gave us this kind of vision as we were praying about Luke 4.18 of these different components. This is what we've built our church on. And, you know, this is what we're all called to, but I believe different ones of you will lock on to different aspects of this vision. We're called the Spirit-Empowered Ministry. So we talked about that last week. We are called to embrace the power and work of the Holy Spirit. And we need the Spirit of God to move us. We need His signs and wonders, His miracles. Number two, ministry to the poor. Jesus said, I'm called to the poor. I remember when we were coming to San Diego, people said San Diego, San Diego was a pastor's graveyard. No one needs the, needs the Lord here. And we said, no, but we're called to the poor. And from the beginning, we just started seeing so many people come to Jesus as we preached the gospel to the poor. And that's not just financially poor. That's poor in many different ways. Bold proclamation of the gospel. You know, the gospel works so we came preaching Christ and Christ crucified, resurrected, and coming again. That is the gospel. Healing, healing physical pain, emotional pain, racial pain. And that is such a big part of this ministry. And, and we're constantly getting reports of people healed of cancer, healed of tumors, healed of addictions. And obviously God restoring the different ethnicities to each other, healing racial pain. And then lastly, blessing of the body of Christ. We believe in a God of favor. We believe in a God that loves people. And we believe that Christians aren't supposed to look like they've just been sucking on lemons and are mad at everyone. But we believe that God wants to bless people. And so we preach that God has favor on people. And um, God has been confer confirming this. I was just uh, in Washington, D.C. this past fall. And this, this awesome young black prophetic guy comes up and he says, you know, I, I, I had this picture I was praying for you because I had this vision and I saw your wife interceding and as she was interceding, this lightning was coming and striking the city of San Diego. And I said, well, that's really cool. That's, our, that's like our vision statement. But then at that time, someone sent me this picture. They said, this is going on tonight. While he was prophesying that, this actually was happening in San Diego. We're like, this is awesome. I was expecting more of you to go like, wow, that's really cool. Like while the guy was prophesying that, someone sends me this picture. So we believe, we're believing for the power of God to, uh, to, to, touch, to touch San Diego. Um, before we came to San Diego, we were on this trip uh, with, with Jonathan and Suzanne Lair and, and our little children. We were actually in Peru and, um, and, and just learning more about church planting and learning more what God was doing in Latin America. I want Steph to share the words that God spoke to her about what God was going to do in all peoples before we came. Uh, yeah, as Robert and I were just waiting on the Lord, um, one of the nights as we were in Peru, just that was the season where we were um, just putting San, San Diego before the Lord as he began speaking about it and just... Um, as, as we were asking the Lord that night, if there was anything on his heart, um, I saw a picture of one foot in San Diego and one foot in Mexico. And then I saw an eagle coming out and, um, 
you know, we really felt there was to be a presence um, across the border in Mexico as well. So obviously you guys know that that was something we carried from the beginning. And now, uh, even today, our team right now is in All People's Oaxaca. Uh, that, that's just, we just started our first public service last week. Right now, as we speak, All People's Tijuana is going and God is starting to raise up and send people, not just from here, but from Mexico. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. What's in a name? You know throughout the Bible that God would give people names. He'd give them names of what they're supposed to be. Like Peter, he changed Simon's name to Peter the Rock. Do you, do you know what our city is named after? Do you know what San Diego is named after. First of all, let me just tell you, so we started studying, this is so fun, this is one of the reasons uh, why it's fun to not be from here, because I always share this and people are like, I had, I had no idea about this. Um, did you know that San Diego was the first place in America to have a Jesus-focused worship service? So when Juan Cabrillo came in to uh, up the coast from Mexico, and they landed in the bay. That was the first time where a Catholic priest came and actually proclaimed the name of Jesus, and they had a worship service before Plymouth Rock was San Diego. Ha, 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 eat your heart out, East Coast. Um, so this was the first place for Jesus to be proclaimed in the continental United States. Then the, the name was given San Diego. So this area was named San Diego de Acala. Um, here's a little picture of San Diego de Acala. What you might not know is, so who was San Diego de Acala? He was a missionary. He was a missionary to the unreached. Uh, he moved in, in tremendous miracles. His ministry was accompanied with healing. He went to the Canary Islands to reach the unreached. So did you know that the city of San Diego is named after a missionary? Okay. And then did you know that San Diego, when it actually became a settlement, it was a mission? And do you know what San Diego is called? It's called the Mother of Missions. How cool is that? So, so San Diego, which is the birthplace of California, I think you probably know that, was also known as the Mother of Missions. And from here, Hunepera Sarah, who his heart was to reach the unreached. Now, did they all do it perfectly? Of course not. Um, and do we affirm every single thing? Of course, of course we don't. But the original intent was to bring the gospel of Jesus. That's why our city was started and then became the mother missions. And from here, they started different other missions. San Clemente, San Juan Capistrano, San, right? You just go up and up and up and up the coast, San Francisco. So this was the mother missions. What is God's intention for San Diego? It's to be the mother of missions. It's to be a missions base that reestablishes re California as its original intent to be a place that glorifies Jesus. Did you know, why is there such a battle for California? Because the enemy knows the power of the state. Do you know that more revivals have started in California and namely Southern California than any other place on the earth? Did you know that? More, I could, I could go through, you can get a book called God, Gold, and Glory. It chronicles every uh, major move of God that, that started here. And so that was what God was speaking. You look like you're about to say something. I am. 
Um, you know, before we came, we had gone to visit my parents in L.A. They were living in Los Angeles at the time, and we spent several weeks with them doing some support raising, et cetera. And um, I, I sat down one morning to, you know, we were, we were heading here um, within months, I think, but just still felt that... It was on a trip where we had looked for three days for home and couldn't find one. Oh, wow. Okay, so yes. So Just because we God of... calls you doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Write that down. Please, please write that down. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, I still needed, I, I was ready to come, but just knew I needed a, a promise to, to anchor myself to when seasons got challenging, et cetera. And the... The promise that God deposited that morning was Isaiah 55 for us as a people. And I cannot tell you how many times I go back to Isaiah 55. It's what I anchor really my prayer life for us as a people on um, because it's the promise God gave us. And, um, And so things when it says, listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me, listen. And I just believe with all my heart that we are a people that hear God. If you've never heard God speak to your heart before, that's a promise over your life that you would listen and hear God and have, have that choice to obey. Well, and isn't that where it it's, keeps going to say, see, I've made you a witness to the peoples, and it starts talking about people, summoning so, peoples. You know, summon nations you know not of. And so it was not only did he name us all peoples, that was part of our name, but it was the promise that nations would be part. Before we came, so we were, we're about to get sent out from, um, from Antioch in Waco, and uh, many of you have heard me talk about the fiery little Asian woman that came up and prayed for me when I was a junior in college, and the power of God came on me. Um, She comes back, so this is like 10 years later, and she comes and lays hands on me again, and and I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Uh, You you typically, what you say happens, and she she starts prophesying about this large multi-ethnic church, and she says, there are gonna be people, San Diego is a very diverse city, and there are gonna be people from all of these different nations that come. And she goes, I just see them looking at each other and loving each other and becoming one community. And so that's, we knew from the very beginning, now uh, in our late, latest count, we'd have people from 55 nations represented in this church. And, and, and then we're called from here. Why? One of the reasons for that is because uh, when you, it's, it's easy to gather with people that are just like you, but when the spirit of the Lord comes, it actually breaks down walls and we start falling in love with the ways that he's deposited his glory in different peoples. And then the diverse churches are always the most prolific churches in church planting because you actually learn to live cross-culturally at home. Does that make sense? That's why the church in Acts 13, the church of Antioch, was the most prolific church planning church. So as we said, it wasn't easy. So we launch out to move to San Diego. Three times we come and take three different scouting trips looking just for a house to rent and could not find one. So what I like to say is, man, just because God calls you to something doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But you got to do it 
no matter if it's easy or not, no matter if the door's opening up or not. So we came here, and y'all have heard me tell the story of, uh, of, of landing on Rosecrans, and, and, and we couldn't even find a place to move our family, so we just land in a hotel, and we're looking over these strip joints, and that's where God spoke one of the top three most powerful words for this church that I've experienced. So I'm, I'm looking at my family. They're all asleep, and I'm just crying, going like, wow, God, we just gave up our home. We gave up our ministry. We know no one here. I can't even find a rent house. And that's where God spoke. I'm looking out over the city, and I'm actually looking down and going like, wow, and now I'm just staring at strip joints. Lord, this is awful. And God spoke so clearly, you'll get to see the greatest revival this city has ever seen. You'll get to see the greatest revival this city's ever seen. And do I think that it's all that's gonna be rooted here? No, I think a revival that a city is, is for the whole city. But we are living for this revival uh, the, great, the greatest revival the city's ever seen. And once we got here, we started learning more and more about the Jesus movement and more and more about the prophecies that have been spoken over San Diego of the next Jesus movement coming here. And that is what we are longing for. There was a time when society got crazy in 1969. People were disenfranchised with the government. People were disenfranchised. It was about sex and drugs and rock and roll. And, and people were completely empty and the Lord responded with the Jesus movement. And you've seen the pictures of thousands of people getting baptized in the ocean, thousands of people coming to the Lord, and we're believing that it's coming again. You know, amen. Sometimes when there's things that God calls us to as his people, it can be so intimidating. And, and that's, that's faith. When we get a word from the Lord where it's like, oh, that's impossible, you're like, yep, that's God. Um, I, that picture I showed you of the, that specific high ropes course, you had to climb this, this pole, this really high pole. And, um, again, I don't like heights. And so I'm, I'm going up this one. I'm like, surely I can do it. Like all these moms are doing these kids. Okay. I got this. My daughter went before me. I'm like, I got this. And I'm climbing up and I'm like, my knees begin to like shake and my arms are weak. And I'm like out of breath. I'm like, oh, I'm like, what am I doing? This is so crazy. But I, I finished the course, came down and sat down and immediately God spoke Hebrews 12 to me. And it says, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, rather healed. And sometimes we think, oh, if I was just like that person, I could do this calling. Or, oh, if I was just had this gifting, then I could do it, Lord. And we discount ourselves. Yet all God is asking for is courage and perseverance. That's what it took to keep going. I'm done. Wow, you just... <laughs> I just stopped. Um, so one of the... One of the words that God gave us at that original retreat was that this wouldn't just be one church. Um, you know, about 50% of church plants don't make it. And, and God was saying, this isn't just going to be a church that by his grace makes it, but this is going to be a church planting church. So it was about 2012. We launched uh, our, our first official service was June 21. We started in our home. Uh, like I said, we didn't know anyone. We eventually got a home. And and um, God had really put on our hearts uh, the, the 
Acts 18, the, the church in Ephesus where Paul went and um, he preached at the school of Tyrannus and it says all of Asia heard. So we started seeing students come to the Lord, just student after student. You guys have heard some of those stories. Uh, this big keg party house, craziest party house uh, that we'd ever seen in San Diego was next door to our house. And one by one, every one of the people got, at, by the end, every person that lived in the house got saved. And that keg party house became our second all people's life group. The first one was in our house, the second one was next door. Um, but then immediately, uh, people from, from City Heights, we started reaching uh, street kids and, and homeless in Rosa Parks. They started coming to the Lord. And then I'll never forget when our first family showed up and they looked at us and said, man, we just don't know if we belong here because there's no one that looks like us here. And I said, if you'll stay, I promise more people like you will come because we're not just called to be students and, 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 and people off the streets. It's also called to have families and see families restored and families set on fire for purpose and, and children walking with the Lord and actually seeing them walk with the Lord all of their days. And, uh, and they stuck. And so that, that was really the beginning. And by God's grace, we just really grew rapidly from, from zero people to hundreds and hundreds and in 2012, Steph and I were exhausted, and we went on a sabbatical. And um, we, we really believe in walking in rhythms in this church. We believe in, in a Sabbath day. We believe in a sabbatical. And while we were on that sabbatical, God spoke something to us. He said, you've started the church. Now it's time to start the movement. You've started the church. Now it's time to start the movement. And so that's when we did our first missions conference ever. We came back. We felt like we were supposed to ask this wild and crazy apostolic guy named Jim Yost, to come in, and uh, he came in, and we did our first World Mandate Conference. And God just started igniting people. And within two years, we launched our first two teams. We launched the first one to Thailand, the second one to Brazil, and we were so excited. And then neither of those teams became a church plant. And it was so challenging. We're like, oh my goodness. Just remember, every time God speaks something, it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. But if God gives you a word, that word is not without power to accomplish its purposes. I'll never forget Floyd McClung, one of, my, one of my mentors coming in. Floyd McClung was the international director of YWAM for a while. And I remember talking to him. It was 2016 uh, or 2015. And, and we hadn't even seen one church planted. And he said, Robert, it, it takes eight years to, to start and to have a a fully autonomous church, but it takes 20 years to start a movement. I went, oh my goodness. He said, you just gotta stand and persevere. You gotta have faith and you gotta persevere. And it was that year in 2015 that God re-reminded us of the word in Mexico and God gave uh, Suzanne Lair a dream and we were now taking this big, if you remember, we had this word for Mexico, so from year one, we started taking trips down to Mexico. Our, our first trip to Mexico, it was pretty weak. Um, we took a guy uh, that was detoxing from alcohol on the trip. Um, he got drunk right before he hopped in our car. Um, we took a gang member. Uh, he was a blood. His brother was a crip. I don't know how that worked. Um, and uh, and then we, and we, we uh, ended up taking, taking another girl. Um, and, uh, man, it was a hard, a hard mission trip, but that was our first, we said from the very beginning, 
This church is not going to just be about itself. It's not going to just be about the city. It's going to be about the nations. And within about six years, we were, we were taking 450 people into Mexico on one trip. And it was on that trip in 2015 that we said, we're not going to just do a trip, but we're going to start a church. And we did a big outreach in Parque, Mexico, in, in TJ, and saw people saved and then said, we're going straight to this this building right here and doing church. And we had our first service of all people's Tijuana. And for months, we just drive down a group of us, Jonathan and Suzanne and a team moved down. And now all people's Tijuana is a thriving church. I hope you get to go there sometime. Um, and all people's Tijuana has now planted four churches. So God is doing. Steph just told me the time. Okay, we've got to. Um, it was 2018, so we're, we're moving forward. You can tell how, how uh, we're, we're getting closer here. Um, 2018, uh, a woman named Cindy Jacobs came uh, into our city. Cindy Jacobs is a very well-known uh, prophet in the body of Christ, and she came into town and said, I'd love to meet with you and Kindle. And uh, we're sitting with her, and she said, a church planting movement is starting here. The Antioch model actually, uh, from Acts 13, has started here. And she, she started naming all the nations. She said, and this church planning movement is going to, to have scores of entrepreneurs. He goes, she said, I see an entrepreneur gift coming on your church, and you're going to have scores of millionaires. And, and that, that is going to relate into you having no underfunded missionary. Um, some of you, that's your call. And so some of you are like, yeah, I'll take that call, millionaire. Uh, always remember, God doesn't just bless you uh, just so that you can, you can just sit on your laurels and, and kick back. God blesses you. Remember, God said, I'm gonna bless you, Abraham, so that all peoples can be blessed through you. And so she said, there's gonna be an entrepreneurial spirit that just comes, and many people are going to have these giftings, and it will relate in thousands being sent and no one being underfunded. And she started naming different places. She's the one who looked at us and said, the Lord says France, France, France. Uh, right there is Nick, just wave your hand. Uh, Nick, and, Nick and Mariah, they are actually uh, trying to deploy by the end of the summer. They just need the rest of their finances to go. Uh, so maybe there's some entrepreneurs in here, Nick, that can, that can help you a bit. Um, God was just confirming this, this word of becoming a church planting movement. And it was in 2018 that a woman that had been used powerfully and suffering in our life came and stayed in our house. And she, she, one morning she's looking at us and she says, hey, are you guys about to launch, be launched from Antioch? Uh, are you guys about to launch out as your own movement? And we said, what are you talking about? Uh, although we just had this from, we had just had this word from Cindy Jacobs. And what I hadn't told anyone is that I had gone for a walk right after we did the light project and God had spoken, it's now time to launch all peoples as its own movement. She goes, are you guys about to, to be launched? And I said, why would you say that? She said, I had this dream. And in this dream, you were at a large gathering of all the different churches of Antioch, which we often do and I'd often speak at. She goes, and you were up on stage like you often are. But she goes, at that gathering, you were actually, it was a very sober gathering because you were actually stepping down from your position 
from Antioch, and you got down on your knees, and then Jimmy Seibert, the leader of Antioch, got down with you, and people surrounded you, a, a host of people from other nations, and they put a new mantle on you, and you got up to lead a, a, a different movement, a new movement, and I said, oh my goodness, um, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, guys, in this, the last three years, we've been meeting with, with Antioch and talking about, you know, does all people stay apart, but God had given us this different, uh, this, this own prophetic calling, our own scriptures, and different ways to do things. And over the last three years, God just started sending prophetic voices over and over and over again to us. Um, God, you probably saw this. God spoke, sent Joe Ewan, and Joe Ewan had this word about a second stream. He said, today I see two streams. One's Antioch, and then one's all peoples. And this stream is flowing down through Mexico, through Central America, through South America. It's a river of revival burning. And he goes, I see at times these streams come back together, and at times that they're running concurrently. Uh, he sent uh, Craig Turndrup, and, and you guys heard the word where he said, you know, you have this amount of people, but I see God adding a zero. I see God adding a zero to your budget. I see God adding a zero to your amount of services. Then he ended with sending Chris Vallotton, uh, the main prophetic voice from Bethel. And he said, you know, you thought your, your, your thing was going to be this big. You thought you were getting a new four by four truck and a semi showed up. And he spoke. He said, you Go out, he said, just like Abraham, and look at the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. That is how many your descendants will be. God started sending the prophets, and so for you to understand, not only is this our 15-year anniversary, but in April, God blessed us and sent us. We were blessed to become our own church planning movement. So this is not only a big year for our church, but it's a big year, and it's... Um, what I didn't tell you is one of the most significant words I got, it, it was like kind of straight out of the Bible where it was so much power that I, I didn't know if my, my body could survive, but God spoke to us that we'd see 3,000 churches planted. Um, we've seen 13. So if we stay at the current rate, we'll see that in 600 years. Um, but, but God is a God of multiplication. Not addition. And God has called us to plant churches that plant churches. You just heard that our Tijuana church is planting. Matt and Maddie lead our church in Bali, Indonesia. They're here on sabbatical, but they already have their first church planter that's being raised up from within them. Our church in Stellenbosch just had their first missions conference, and they just started their first church planting school to start planting churches. What God started with a tiny little seed is growing and spreading out to the nations of the world. Steph? Amen. Uh, do you want to share? Okay, let me share one more. As we launch, I mean, this is hard. I'm sharing 20 years of prophetic so words in 35 minutes. We'll wrap it up here in five minutes. Two words as we were launching that we got from two different people on, in two different countries, one from Malaysia and one from Scotland is that God said, as you're launching this movement, we sense Genesis 24 for you. And it was about Rebecca. It said, and they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands, and may your offspring possess the cities of their enemies. Or another translation says, the gates of your enemies. 
And this is a promise to us. And Steph, why don't you finish by explaining Yeah, so this. in 2019, um, we had just come back from our, our second sabbatical, and Robert and I had a board meeting in Seattle, Seattle to go to. And so I had to leave to come back to San Diego a day early. And I'm, um, I'm in the airport, and, um, you know, sometimes God gives us prophetic experiences where he's trying to communicate and speak to us through an experience. And so I'm in the airport and I sit down at my gate, I'm at N14, and all of a sudden the guy comes on the loudspeaker and he says, uh, you know, San Diego flight, whatever, uh, you'll be moving to C uh, or D7. And so I'm like, okay, so literally a different terminal. So I go to the different terminal I sit down about five minutes. Uh, San Diego, your flight is now moved to N13. So I go back to N. On my way back to N, I look at the screen. Literally before my eyes, my gate is changed again. I mean, it is like chaotic. I'm like, this, what is going on? I'm like, okay, Lord. I'm like, I'm here. I mean, I had never had that experience before in such a short little window of time. And I stopped and I began to bind the spirit of chaos and loose a spirit of order. I said, God, speak. What are, are you speaking? And I felt like he was speaking several things in that moment. And he said, it's time to take the gateways. And, you know, you might be listening to this and thinking like, I love that we're a church planting church, but like, I don't want to go plant a church. Like, I want to stay here. I'm, I'm called to San Diego. Um, or maybe you want to go to the nations, but you don't want to be on church staff. Like, that's just not what gets you excited, you know, or passionate, or it's your call. And I just want to say that, you know, God, the two scriptures, um, God's intent in Ephesians 3 10 was now that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. In Ephesians 4, it says, so Christ himself gave, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, teachers to equip his people for the works of service. And so we might be on staff with church, but that doesn't make us any more the church than you. And so we, as the church, have to take the gateways, the spheres of society, and the church is called to transform cities and take cities. This word that we got, and as I was in the airport getting that word, I came home, and this taking the gateways just burning on me, and so I reached out to a gal named Carol Davis. She's um, just a Jedi in the kingdom. And I say, Carol, I just need help. Like, what is this word? And she connected me with a rabbi. So the three of us sat on a Zoom together, and I just explained this gateway word. And he said, well, you know, in ancient times, if you could take the gate, you took the city. Mm. And that was it. That was the word I needed. And when we stand at the gateways in our education systems, in our government systems, you, as you obey the call of God on your life as the church and stand in the gateway, the media and entertainment that you are called to stand in and release the kingdom of God, then we will take cities 
Amen. Amen. You know, I just, um, I want to share, I know we need to wrap it up, and I, I want to share um, just this prophetic experience that I had at this camp. Um, we, the first morning when I realized that we were just entering a crazy week, I'm like, what did I just sign up for? They said, okay, your first activity will be the screaming eagle and you'll be lifted like 75 feet up in the air and then released to fly over the trees. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so, um, I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. So I get, we, Hallie and I together, we lock arms, we get hooked into this, um, this, thing, contraption, that's going to release us to fly. And I, um, I knew, I, I knew, I'm like, do not get out of this line because this is a prophetic experience that you are to have. And it's not just for me, but it's for us as a people because we are called to fly as the church. And so I'm lifted up and all of a sudden, I, <laughs> we get about maybe 50 feet up and we just stop. And I, of course, we would stop. Of course, we would get stuck. I'm like, is everything okay down there? And I hear this guy walk by down there, and he goes, it's okay. They're not stuck. And I'm like, I knew it. I'm like, we're stuck. And so um, they say, release the thing. Hallie pulls the thing. I'm like, ah! And, and this sweet little Hannah Kate, one of our girls on the team, is like, you're going again. You're going again. I'm like, Why? And so they, sure enough, they hook us up and then they lift us to the right appropriate place. I'm like, oh, that's way higher. And so then Hallie pulls the plug, we go and we are like flying over the trees. And I, I want to share this word about a month and a half ago. I was reading this book by Rick Joyner and there's this word in it. He says, accordingly, the body of Christ is about to go through a metamorphosis. It has been like a caterpillar crawling along the ground. But it is about to emerge into a glorious butterfly which soars above the earth. The church that is about to rise will be more at home in the heavenly realm than the earthly. This, the kind of experiences that I'm writing about will not seem strange to that church. And those who are going to be a part of it will soon hear a clear trumpet call, which is revealed in Revelation 4, 1 and 2. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And I want to say for us as a people, the, the door is open in heaven for us to walk through. God wants to speak to us, to position us in places, in the, in the spheres of this city to bring the kingdom of God. And our weak knees, our knees might feel shaky, our arms might feel weak, but it takes courage and perseverance. Why don't you stand up?